Um, well, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. I know you're incredibly busy. Um, you're about to head out on a big tour. Literally, I think you're what about a week away. Yeah, yeah. On Sunday, uh, Saturday is the hometown show, and it's it's kind of a neat show actually. I'm I'm just singing with a band for a couple songs. I'm doing a couple uh, Pogues songs. Pogues. And uh, yeah, kind of in celebration of St. Patrick's Day. Everyone's doing kind of an Irishy type type thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's on Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, I'm in Minot, North Dakota. Are you excited? How are you feeling about it? I mean, it's a pretty extensive tour, all pretty much all the way up throughout March, beginning of April, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't know if you know a lot about Winnipeg, where I live, mm. but the average temperature in the winter is about minus forty degrees Celsius. <laughs> so any excuse to get away from here is 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 well well invited. So I, I can't wait. Not that I don't like it here, but I can't wait to leave. Honest. Yeah, 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 you're right. I don't know much about Winnipeg, but when I think of Canada, a lot of places in Canada, I think cold. Yeah, we, we have this ongoing joke that uh, if you check the temperature that the Mars rover is posting on Mars, yeah, often in winter it's colder in Winnipeg than what the rover is seeing on Mars. So we're, we're the coldest major city in the world, I believe. Wow. <laughs> so which of these dates are, would you say, are most excited? Is there anything new? town-wise city-wise that you've not done before on this tour yeah yeah there's kind of a, a handful of, of ones i'm particularly excited for i mean all of them right and mm. excuse to get on stage and make a fool of myself but <laughs> uh, the the first date outside of winnipeg minot north dakota i've never played there excuse me and it's actually not a very big town at all but okay. apparently they have a pretty pretty killer scene and uh, the day I'm hitting it is actually St. Patrick's Day, so I think the bar is going to do kind of something a little special. I think that one could be kind of a really good start to the tour. And uh, I'm doing a handful of dates kind of around the eastern seaboard. I believe it's Baltimore, uh, two in Jersey, and Philly with this band called Stevo and the Crippling Addiction. Okay. And uh, Stevo used to be in a band called The Holy Mess. And they were never that big, but they were like, you know, pretty decent sized band at Fest and, and Pooza Fest in Montreal. And they were kind of a band I'm definitely a fan of. So when we were able to hook up those four dates together, I was really, really stoked to do those. And uh, in Quebec, um, that place is really, really great. And the last tour, it just didn't really line up. Like I've, I've been booking myself for, you know, God, since I started playing. And, uh, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And last time it just wasn't wasn't really great shows. It was just a bad time to hit it. Mm. And this time all three shows lined up really, really good. So I think those are going to be good. Okay, so you get to go back and kind of uh, improve upon what, what happened last time. You know, I guess um, make, a, make a better showing almost. Yeah, yeah. Like I've, I've been, I've, I've been playing. I'm, I'm scared to say it because you might figure out my actual age. But I've been playing for about 20 years and um and in the in that time i've kind of found what works best for me is you just play as much as you can i try to do 150 shows every single year and uh in that in that case when you get a couple of shows that just don't work out or it's, there's so many factors so many moving parts you could do everything right yeah. and the show just doesn't happen and then you could show up late you know on a show you booked 24 hours ago and it's the best show of the tour like you there's no rhyme or reason to it so mm. To, to kind of accept that, I've just kind of, you know, talk, took a shot at playing as much as I can and just making the best of every show. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, so you, you say 150 shows, so you kind of like, so that's like your minimum get. You want to make sure you're doing 150 a year. Yeah, it, it fluctuates. Uh, like, for example, this year I'm doing a new record. 
Mm. So after this tour, I'm probably just going to do kind of a handful local dates or things kind of not that far from me and just focus on working and writing and just saving up for the new record. But uh, last year, I think I actually did 160 something. So I, I broke my, uh, my 150, um, minimum oh, and nice. then, um, yeah, I tacked on a few more. I mean, you say that and from what I've through cursory research, just the most basic Google your name and see what you get. It seems that touring is basically a, a major deal for you. It's probably one. It seems like one of the most important things for you. Is that because it's more of a necessity nowadays? Yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I personally, I just love it. Uh, being on the road just feels like the normal for me. That's when I feel that I am. I'm free. I can just be who I want to be and live how I want to live. Mm. And then coming home and you know, kind of doing the job and the the home life and the cleaning up the house and the sweeping that's the part that's the challenge for me so i think that's kind of why i've lasted this long because i've I've definitely toured with people who you know just can't stand it like they they really need that alone time in that space and stuff but uh but as you said that's totally true these days it's with platforms like youtube you're available to the world but so is everybody else so it's yeah. it's really tough to kind of you know it's almost like winning the lottery these days if you kind of get discovered on YouTube or maybe if you got a gigantic marketing machine behind you. But for someone like me, just kind of an indie musician trying to make a go at it, jumping in the van and, and playing show and show and show is kind of the best thing I could do to uh, to do what I do. Well, you're effectively doing it all on your own, I guess, most of your career, right? I mean, have you had any relationships in regards to labels or anything like that? Yeah, I've kind of a bit of both. Um, like I DIY was kind of my philosophy for mm. years, but I also at the same time don't want to not recognize all the people that have helped me. Like everyone in every single town I played, I didn't just call the bar and, and go there and play like someone booked the show or, you know, the local bands brought their friends or something, something like yeah. I think it's DIY. We should turn it into DIT, do it together. Yeah. Because without all my friends and people behind me, I would not be where I am. But in terms of kind of more like I'm doing air quotes right now, staff of like who kind of does it, I do the management and the booking and then uh, Val uh, does the PR from uh, distribution. And uh, between all of that, you kind of keep it small, you keep it manageable and everyone is working as hard as they can because for the most part, it's only me. (laughs) Yeah, you sound dedicated though. I mean, you said 20 odd years and you said about your age, but Hey, you could have been on stage from eight years old. So that only put you at 28. <laughs> let's, let's pretend that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. What about going abroad? Um, you have been abroad. I've seen you've been to England. Um, what about countries you haven't yeah. played? What, where, where, where's on the bucket list? So I had the pleasure of touring Europe 10 different times. A couple of those times it was with my band, mm-hmm. but in the, like independently, just as a solo artist, I've done it six and uh, the two places I really want to go, Australia is on the list. Oh, yeah. I've heard amazing things about it, and I came very close to doing a tour. And unfortunately, the guy setting it up uh, had kind of major health problems, ah. and he kind of just had to, okay, well, you know, what can I do with my time? And, you know, unfortunately, his family and working his job came before my tour, which is totally fine. Of course, yeah. And ended up canceling that one. I haven't really had an opportunity to go back there. And the other place is Japan. Oh. And my my old band, we were called High Five Drive. We were kind of a skate punk band in the early 2000s. Mm. And we were doing great over there. We we had never toured there. We had one guy doing distro. We didn't even have a label. It was just a guy who had a website. And we sold over 500 records. 
and it's always kind of drawn me to go there. But everyone I've talked to, it's not quite the same as like in Europe, you can kind of just book a plane ticket, land and just start trying to do it. Yeah. North America, you can can literally get in your van and just drive until you crash into a bar and then play the bar. Mm. Yeah. And over there, you kind of have to be invited or you need to know people to really, really make it happen. And I just haven't had a chance to really meet those people yet. But a new record is on the horizon and it's it's on the list. It's something I really, really want to focus on. And also my, my partner has some family there and she really wants to go back. So that's even more reason to try to do it. You get a whole combination, see family, have a holiday, play some shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love, um, like I'm really, really excited about the, the culture over there and stuff. And I really want to check it out because as much as I love Europe, you know, the first time I went there, the different languages, and mm. the, but it's it's not that much different from from over here. And obviously, states in Canada, like if you just got dropped in the middle of somewhere, aside from uh, American flags being, you know, everywhere you possibly look, they're not that much different. Also, but I think Japan would be like a really, really big cultural like, holy moly, I'm somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it would be a hell of a a culture shock, as you would say. Yeah yeah so the new album then um how's it going and can you kind of share any details with us i think i saw you were talking about a 2020 release yeah yeah so the the rest of this year has kind of been after this tour of course has been allotted for just work saving money and and recording the record and i have some studio time booked in uh late september and it's at a studio here in Winnipeg called Private Ear. Mm. And it's the same place I've done all my records, plus when I was in my band. And uh, there's a, a, a local band called Propaganda. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. No, no name doesn't mean no. <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, they uh, huge in the punk scene. And um, anyways, they, they've done a couple albums there. This other band called Royal Canoe, which which are doing neat things. They've mm. uh, They record there. It's a great studio. And the producer and me work well together. He is nicest dude ever. He's one of those people like you feel bulletproof in there. No matter, no matter what, what you're playing, you know he's gonna be able to get the best of the best out of it. And, oh yeah. And, and I'm I'm definitely not a one take one take wizard or anything like that. Like it takes me, you know, a few tries to kind of get something decent. And he just makes you feel comfortable. He makes you feel like like it's gonna be the best record ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like take as many times as you need. The end result's gonna be worth it. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like the the time put in, and because I I've recorded before, spent you know a five digit number, and at the end of it, the album just wasn't quite what we thought. Like all, the pre pre production was almost better than the album itself, and that was a terrible feeling. So, um, so yeah, are you? So is it kind of like are you constantly writing while you're on the road, um, while you're out touring, while you're at home? Is it just constantly writing? No, no, I'm I'm more of a person of like it comes in spurts, and mm. some of the best stuff I write, I I don't don't uh, commit me. I'm not crazy, but it just gets beamed into my head. Like, <laughs> like I read some of the stuff, like I I couldn't have possibly wrote that. There's no way that was me. Like, just sometimes you you know an idea on guitar, and then you just start singing. All of a sudden, you're like, holy crap, that's a whole song. Like it just came out of me like that. And then a few other songs I, I like, like sometimes it'll be months and months of editing, redoing this, redoing that, scrapping this. But uh, uh, I think the best stuff I write, it's you know, it was written in five seconds. It was just boom, there it is, the song. Do you, do you, do you think you're a perfectionist in the sense that, like you said, you're going to keep going over? Are you a perfectionist? 
No, to a point. I mean, if I don't like something, I'm 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 gonna pick at it and pick at it and pick at it. But sometimes I kind of like more of a looser feeling. And the the last album we did it live off the floor, and then we overdubbed the vocals and and some other parts like aux percussion or or some organ parts, etc. But kind of the the meat and potatoes of the um, of the album was uh, just all of us playing it and and all together at once and and they recorded it and it just felt really really good and there's little parts here little pushes and pulls and whatnots but i feel kind of like that that energy is there like it's something that if you do it one at a time if you do the drums and you try to do the bass and the guitar and something like there's something that's missing kind of the the sum of the uh the parts is greater than the whole or whatever the expression is well, I mean, if you just when I just went looking on YouTube and sitting watching some of your videos, I was not so surprised, but it was nice to see uh, there's a real level of professionalism in regards to how it looks, how it sounds, and everything like that. That because it's YouTube and anybody can put anything on YouTube, it it it, it sort of. Do you think that came with age in the sense that you were able to create you're able to create those things because you've been doing it for so long? I think I've always kind of been that way. Like I, I remember when I was still in my my first band of a lot of kind of being stubborn about a lot of things of like we know this song doesn't fit, we mm. can't do that, we can't do that. And I think as I as I get older and the people I play with um, that are going to be playing on the album, I should mention quick uh, most most of the tours I do are just by myself, um, which has been working great. But um, I do have a drummer and a bass player, and then a, a kind of a a uh, sax slash ox musician that I play with at home that will be on the album mm. and uh, playing with those people. Like it's, it's so easy and it's so great. And you kind of just, sometimes you step back and you let it happen at the same time. I'm not scared to say if I don't like anything and uh, like something. And I feel like being critical is kind of that thin line. Cause obviously you can be too critical, obviously to the point where nobody wants to trash everything at the same time i think if you're not that way some stuff can kind of slip through that isn't as good as as other stuff you've done i think it's important yeah so considering you say you've been doing this 20 plus years and from you've got a pretty high presence um online and so on you've clearly embraced the digital streaming age and been part of this change in the last 10 years where youtube and streaming and apple music and spotify have grown into the beasts they are has that been easy? Mm. Um, I mean, I miss the record sales. Like mm. when, when I was in the band, no, not even trying, we were selling, you know, a couple thousand of each album doing, you know, these piddly little tours. And, and now on a tour, I'm lucky if I, if I can sell a couple hundred. And um, so, I mean, that part, obviously the financial part of it has kind of fallen out. Yeah. I, you know, everyone knows that. I don't have to say that. But uh, when it comes to streaming, um you're not really seeing the revenue, but again, the accessibility. And if you kind of, if you hustle and more and more people hear about you, you know, if someone has just on a whim, they kind of look up, oh, Greg Rikas, they have access to everything I've ever recorded yeah. just like that. And that's something that's really, really cool. And, uh, and I think it gets a lot more people listening. Like, I think I, I don't know how many plays I have on Spotify. I think it's around a hundred thousand. And to me, that's amazing. I can't believe like that many, you know, people or whatever times of my songs have been played yeah you know that's something like like having you know selling the cd selling like i was saying selling a couple thousand that's really really cool but that definitely isn't a hundred thousand pairs of ears or anything so so i think there is that advantage to it 
it's vindication at least you know your music's getting out there if you're not say getting the physical sales in the same way what um... sorry Mm -hmm. no no i was i I was just gonna say like the whole reason doing it is to get the music in people's ears Mm. i mean i i'm not gonna lie and say i don't want to you know make a buck doing this but the more important thing is to keep doing it because it's it's a struggle like it's you know with with the price of gas and a van constantly breaking down like there's no shortage of bills to pay on tour but kind of still being able to feel like you're accomplishing something and that when someone hears the song and kind of you know the the odd email or even just at a show someone saying oh that's a great song i really you know i really knew what you were talking about or or anything like that that is the most rewarding feeling i've, I've ever had in my entire life excellent i mean on our point of view from what we've seen and over in our country in the uk you know we've got a pretty decent scene but it is pretty much entirely underground and we talk to x amount of musicians and bands and so on and it's always the same subject as about you know how you try how you how you're surviving how you're making money people got their day jobs and things like that um so you can't do this has the have you been able to do anything in regards to i don't know maybe it be merchandise or so on that's i guess like been able to control revenue stream in regards to what you're bringing in like one of the things we've often talked about with other bands is like okay cool you have a t-shirt line but like what else can you bring say at a show other than just here's the album here's a t-shirt that um that would spark interest collectors almost because that seems to be a big thing yeah for when it comes to collections i mean i guess i have vinyl and some people are really Mm. into that and that that was probably the the smarter merch item i've i've done in, yeah. in the last last little while but one thing i did that was really neat i did jar openers oh wow and they are the most practical thing in the world like you you can use it to open literally anything and um i haven't found it was uh the company that does it i th- i think it's somewhere somewhere overseas and i wasn't sure of of kind of how ethical of a company it was and that's something that's really important to me i've worked really hard to make sure that all my t-shirts are, are ethically made locally made if possible. And, um, I'm kind of arguing with myself if I should try to take another shot at the jar openers, but they went really, really fast and, and people still tell me to this day how much they liked them. So that was maybe the most unique merch item I've, I've had. I love it. It's something so simple, but it's something that straight away people are going to snap up because hopefully as well, you know, as you said, price of gas, price of this and so on, that applies to everyone. So, you know, they come to the yeah. show and whether or not they can actually afford, say, a T-shirt or something like that, I get, you know, that will always be cheaper. So at least it's something. Yeah, and the price point was perfect, too. Like, it would be, you know, everybody would grab one just if they want to help you out. Like, oh, you know, here's a couple bucks and we'll take one of these. And it's that item that, you know, they're going to have it probably for the next five or ten years, assuming they don't lose it or something or yeah. loan it to someone. And then they're going to have my face to open a jar every time. <laughs> <laughs> So what's been like the best and the worst shows I guess you've done? I mean, I'll imagine with so many shows under your belt and you've already talked about good and bad times, you played to a room with five people in it and a room with 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean, to, to think of the all-time best and all-time worst, but <laughs> I um, I can think of um, I, I played uh, in Europe on the last tour. I got to open a, a show. It was amazing. It was uh, with uh propagandy iron chic and the bomb pops mm. and all of them i've met before and uh so i was really stoked to get on the bill and i go up there and doors were at seven i was on stage at like 702 oh yeah and there was nobody in the audience mm. zero people 
and you know, I kind of chuck, chuck, chuck into the mic and I strum the guitar and kind of, <laughs> should I even play? <laughs> and uh, luckily a few people kind of started trickling in. And then by the third or fourth song, there was already a couple hundred in there. So it, it felt okay. That was one of my, probably one of my favorite shows, one of my best shows, but it definitely didn't start like that. <laughs> We're terrible for that over here with uh, doors opening and the first band being on it two minutes past and no one's even through the doors getting a beer or looking at merch stalls but that's a common problem over here yeah so when you're not doing music i, I guess which doesn't come up much by the amount of work <laughs> you do when you're not doing what 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 do you enjoy doing like are you um because basically our website and processes three separate areas video games horror and heavy metal rock music and so on Mm. Does any of that really apply to you? Do you enjoy listening to music? Do you play video games? Do you watch horror movies? Yes, yes. So I horror movies, I wouldn't say, like, I'm a huge, huge big fan. I very much like them. Mm. And I do own a copy of Evil Dead on, on VHS. <laughs> Brilliant. If that if that is worth any cred. Uh, <laughs> video VHS. Games, I, I was actually uh, quite the Super Nintendo game collector. I was up to 225 Super Nintendo games. Oh, wow. And... Sadly, I had to sell them all, um, which I won't get into my financial uh, troubles as, as of recent. But uh, let's just say I'm back on the straight and narrow. I'm doing okay, but I did have to get rid of my collection. But I do have a modded Wii that has every Super Nintendo game on it. And I also play um, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes is my mobile game that I play oh, uh, yes. I when I'm on one. the road. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a fun way. It's a good, like, I'm bored for two seconds game. It's perfect. That's one and... of those four mobile fun games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say Super Nintendo was kind of my passion when it comes to video games. It, to me, it was the best system ever made. The games were just the right level of challenge, right level of fun, right level of simplicity. And you could turn it off. You could pause it. Like so many modern games where I, I sympathize for parents and children hmm. on both sides of the fence because parents are like, we got to go now. Like you have to go. And the children are like, you don't understand. I can't pause this. If I walk away, my character will be killed yeah. and I will let down my entire team that, you know, counts on me and my guild or, or whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. I've been there. I've got a 15 year old son getting him off. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. Like you, you got to plan like an hour in advance. I'm sure. Of, like, <laughs> okay. We're going to be leaving in an hour. Can you, can what you about start music? To, you know, uh, when it comes to music, I, I really like records. And, and one of my favorite thing to do as of the last five years or so is to go to flea markets and find those dollar bins of records and just kind of pick out the most interesting one, yeah. um, you know, one or two. And since they're a dollar, it's definitely affordable. And I kind of have amassed this collection of just like lousy records. But, <laughs> but, but I do have I have a three shelf system where the two bottom shelves are the lousy records. And if you listen to one and one is good, then it gets up graded to the third shelf where oh. you know if i kind of want to listen to something but um i uh what did i recently get i'm i was at the flea market on the weekend i got said the original soundtrack from tcb starring diana ross the supremes and the temptations oh wow and this this old ukrainian guy let it go for five bucks and then there's <laughs> an album called party classics and it looks ridiculous it has um uh i, I don't know if you know what clamato juice is i don't Clamato, this is this Canadian thing, which I, I'm not standing behind this. I am not, just to go on record, I am not saying I support Clamato. It is basically clam juice. Okay. Like a clam. Yeah, like with, I've never seen a clam and being like, hmm, I want to drink that. Like, mm. to me, it's kind of a gross sea urchin kind of thing. 
none drink called clamato that you mix with like vodka and and um you put uh, Worcestershire sauce in it and stuff like that. And you make this drink called a Caesar. <laughs> so there's this record where I don't know if it's sponsored by Mott's, but I, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. But yeah, so for for a couple bucks, yeah, you find these these amazing records, you put them on, and, and some of the time they're amazing. Like you get some, some of these di- diamonds in the rough. Is, there, is there like one like, particular, say, oh, band yeah. or artist that you just if you just need some chill out time, you just need things There's someone you like is your go-to wouldn't necessarily say your favorite artist because probably narrowing that down is you know impossible, but just someone you kind of always go gravitate to when you need to kind of chill. Definitely. Definitely. The, uh, the get up kids and in specific, the album, something to write home about, Okay. which actually have the, the album, uh, cover arts tattooed on me. Oh, wow. Which, uh, I, I don't have that. I only have like seven tattoos. I don't have that many tattoos, but it meant so much that, uh, that I got it tattooed on me. And it's one of those albums that like, you know, I need to feel okay. Kind of album. You know, if you have a, a rough show or just things are going rough on the road, I can kind of put that on and just kind of reminds me that, you know, everything's okay. And like, yeah. you know, the, the world isn't, isn't, isn't as bad as I think it might be. And, that's what one of the, great things about music i guess and it's something I, I guess you would hope that your music does for some people out there which is those moments when you kind of just need to get away from life and if you can lose yourself in a song or an album um that's amazing definitely that's in the 90s i i was going i don't want to say i had a rough everybody had a rough childhood right no one had it easy growing up but i had some tough times and music is really what got, got me through that the 90s punk scene kind of made me I feel a sense of belonging. Like yeah. this is where I need to be. This scene needs me, and I am. I'm. I'm here. I'm. I'm ready to do this. And uh, if I ever have been able to give that back to people, that's again the most rewarding feeling ever. Of like, you know, I did it. I kind of completed that loop. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I really hope that is the case as well. Like you know, you have that that there are people out there who have cottoned on and grabbed gravitated to you, and too shy to mm. send you a message and say something like that. But hey, you know you do a random show say you come back to london do some random pub here and someone walks up to you and says you know i love your music been listening to it for years I, 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 that it just must be amazing yeah yeah like it feels finally like all this hard work because there there are days where like i even i question a bit of like should i still be doing this uh. like it's it's kind of you gotta have your life in kind of a perpetual 20 year old state to kind of be on the road this much at this level and there are bands that are, you know, making a little bit more bands that are able to kind of, you know, afford things. Yeah. And for me, I've been able to do it this long. I'm, I'm very lucky. I have a, a job in audio at home where it's kind of feast or famine. Either it's really, really busy. I'm working overtime or it's dad can go on to kind of fund this for years and years and years. But when it comes to things of like trying to afford a house or, you know, have mm. a automobile or anything like that, like you were it's just not the budget and i've i've definitely overspent I've, years i was just like huh, i could just you know do do this i could spend that oh i could eat out today why not and uh, now i don't think there's a in the world that'll ever give me a credit card again so <laughs> those things happen but, those things happen yeah but, you know you persevere right if it's that important you find a way and again i'm, I'm lucky that I've, I've been doing audio my entire life i have that job to fall back on and you come home from a tour that didn't so go so great and I know right away if I hustle, I can get a bunch of work and, you know, kind of recoup those and yeah. you know, get back to that zero mark to get back on the road. Well, it must take a lot, though, after that, say, to, to then be re-motivated to 
plan another tour, I guess. Well, I've kind of when uh, I'm kind of constantly booking. Like the the only time I won't be booking is probably this summer mm. when I'm I'm just focusing on writing and working. But come fall time, I'm already going to start to be booking. You know, January to 2020, assuming the new record's coming out. Yeah. And then you know, Europe, you got to book like you know practically a year in advance these days. It used to be six months. It's probably closer to a year if you want to yeah. want to get to the good promoters. So you're just kind of always constantly booking. So <laughs> that's kind of keeps you going. You've already kind of committed to something. And I'm one of those stubborn people that no matter how lousy the, the show is looking, I'm still going to go and do it because I, I never cancel anything. So it's, yeah, I guess that's I mean, another lesson. Just be stubborn. <laughs> yeah. I guess, just put, constantly push, right? I mean, that's mm. you have to, right? Because as we've talked about already, there's no easy way to make it in the business anymore, the music business, if you even can. You know, the days of your, the Metallicas and the... Iron Maidens are gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like most, a lot of the artists that are making it really, really big, like there's kind of some of the reason there are often a family member. Um, I, I believe it's, a, someone can email me if I get this wrong and they can correct me, but uh, Miley Cyrus, I believe her godmother was Dolly Parton or like close friend of the family. And again, or not Miley Cyrus. I'm, I'm um, yeah. You don't email me. That it's Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I said the wrong person. Uh, but it is a really, really big female star. That's name will come to me in two seconds when I stop thinking about it. <laughs> and her godmother was Dolly Parton. Friend of family was Dolly Parton. So there's always that connection. If you dig deep enough, a lot of these big, big stars, yeah. there is some type of connection where they got their break. And I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm not saying that they don't deserve that or they don't work hard. But a lot of people kind of on the outside, like, you know, I was kind of a, a middle class dude from Winnipeg, you know, family, like both parents were teachers. Like, it's not really like I had a lot of opportunities to kind of dive into the music scene. You kind of just got to make it happen, happen mm. yourself in a lot of ways. And I'm very, very proud of, of how far I've gotten, what I've been able to do. Uh, but at the same time, you you know, compare it to a lot of other bands and it's it seems pretty minuscule in a lot of ways. But but in the end, I'm really happy. I, I still treasure and cherish what I do, and it's still like a dream come true. I never thought I'd ever get to tour Europe, never much tour it ten times. So, yeah. so I am still very thankful of what I have. Well, I drink all in a day. That just leads to consequences based on what we 